Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. EX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, another week has come and gone and the grain markets were on a downward trend, especially the July canola contract. We'll hear from PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo. Scattered showers around Saskatchewan over the past week helped to replenish soil moisture levels. We'll have the Saskatchewan Crop Report with Mackenzie Ledoon from the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. The latest Manitoba crop pest update suggests both crucifer and striped flea beetles are present in canola fields. We'll catch up with Manitoba Agriculture's provincial entomologist, Dr. John Gavlosky. And the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association is ready for its 110th annual, annual general meeting and convention starting Sunday. We'll hear from their president, Garner Diabold. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. A Beef and Forage Report. Once a beef calf hits the ground at birth, the clock is ticking. What happens or doesn't happen as each hour passes will determine to a large extent whether that calf thrives. It all starts with colostrum. Sometimes called first milk, colostrum is more similar to nutrient-rich cream than milk. It's high in immunoglobulins to help prevent infection, as well as fat, energy, vitamins A and D, and white blood cells. Studies have shown calves that do not get enough colostrum or a high enough quality colostrum by the time they reach the 24-hour mark are 3.2 to 9.5 times more likely to become sick and 5.4 times more likely to die before weaning. Especially concerning are situations where a calf had a difficult birth. It is a first calf for a heifer. The cow has a bad temperament and won't allow its calf to nurse. Or the cow has mastitis. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. EX94, Ag Review. Although it's still early in the growing season, some insect pests have already posed a threat to crops in Saskatchewan, or could do so in the near future. 
That's according to James Tanzi, Provincial Specialist for Insects and Invertebrate Pest Management. Among the pests he cited were grasshoppers, flea beetles, and pea leaf weevils. Tanzi says the grasshopper hatch is well underway in Saskatchewan, but recent rains could change how much of a problem they become. Tansy stresses the need for vigilance with farmers checking their crops and the surrounding areas for signs of grasshoppers and other pests. He says there has been estimates of 50 to 70 grasshopper nymphs per square meter in ditches, which normal rates tend to be around 40. There have also been reports of striped and crucifer flea beetles in the province, especially in the central area. A canola analyst with PI Financial says Agriculture Canada's 2023-24 canola production estimate is pessimistic. It's forecasting 18.4 million metric tons, only slightly bigger than last year's disappointing crop of 18.17 million tons. Ken Ball is surprised with how low their projection is. Ball has seen private sector estimates call for a crop in excess of 20 million metric tons, if there is decent precipitation in June and July. The United States Department of Agriculture's forecast is also at odds with Agriculture Canada's. It anticipates a Canadian crop of 20.3 million metric tons, which would be nearly 2 million tons bigger than Agriculture Canada's estimate. That's a substantial discrepancy. The good news is that Ball anticipates plenty of demand for the upcoming crop, There will be some new crush capacity coming online in 2023-24, and crush margins remain healthy. Alberta's Agriculture Financial Services Corporation, or AFSC, is providing farmers affected by wildfires with more time to seed crops and qualify for insurance coverage. The extensions apply to farmers in the northern and western parts of the province who had to leave their farms, Multiple crops are receiving five extra days. Farmers in affected areas seeding Argentine canola, mixed grains, oats and spring wheat will now have until June 5th to seed and receive coverage. This is a five-day extension from the May 31st deadline. Producers seeding Polish canola will have until June 15th compared to the original May 31st deadline. And farmers seeding barley, spring rye and spring triticale will also have until June 15th to seed and receive coverage. The previous date for these crops was June 5th. Ukraine's Ministry of Renovation and Infrastructure says the UN-brokered Black Sea grain export deal has been halted again because Russia has blocked registration of ships to all Ukrainian ports. A UN spokesman says Russia has informed officials overseeing the initiative that Moscow would limit registrations to the port of Pivdeni in Ukraine's Odessa province until all parties agreed to unblock the transit of Russian ammonia. The United Nations and Turkey brokered the Black Sea Grain Initiative between Moscow and Kyiv last July to help tackle a global food crisis aggravated by Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Russia agreed in May to a two-month extension of the deal, which covers three Ukrainian ports, including Pivdeni, but has said the initiative will cease unless an agreement aimed at overcoming obstacles to Russian grain and fertilizer exports is fulfilled. Dairy Month, celebrated in June, kicked off with World Milk Day yesterday. 
The Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations established World Milk Day in 2001 to recognize the importance of milk as a global food and to celebrate the dairy sector. In Canada, 98% of dairy farms are family-owned and operated. As of August 2022, Canada had 9,739 dairy farms with a total dairy cattle population of about 1.4 million head. This means the average Canadian dairy farm had about 143 dairy cows. Quebec has the most dairy farms in the country with 4,548. Alberta has the most dairy farms in Western Canada with 488. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. And that's today's AgriView. It's time now to head back out once again to Danny Ismond. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and 23 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Another week has come and gone, and the grain markets were on a downward trend, especially the July canola contract. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo says July canola prices declined by about $30 a metric ton for the week. And the last couple days we have seen a bit of a recovery, but really still since the beginning of the month, uh, we've seen now the July contract decline from uh, about $710 a ton to where it sits at about uh, 660 right now. Uh, so a decent drop in, uh, in one month's time. And same thing with the November contract, uh, actually even a little bit uh, more of a decline as well too. We saw the high on that contract on May 10th at 712 and now we're sitting at 636. So uh, over that $80 a ton drop in just uh, really kind of a month's time. Piccolo says the July Minneapolis wheat contract was also down 13 cents a bushel on the week. It seems that it has uh, been finding a bit of a low here recently. Um, I do still believe that selling opportunities uh, will come about from rallies. I don't believe that we're in a, in a bull market for, for wheat here right now. The U.S. drought monitor released on May 30th was interpreted by some to, uh, to expand dry areas. Uh, however, kind of more recent events and forecasts do predict a, a moderation of drought conditions. So uh, again, I wouldn't get too excited on you know wheat again going significantly higher on drought. The deal to increase the debt ceiling in the U.S. has been passed in the Senate, so it will head to U.S. President Joe Biden to sign to make it law. Pakala looks at the deal on two different fronts. 
First is the kind of the overall feeling of the market that investors just have something that is certain now. So the market doesn't like, whether it's the stock market or, or the commodity market, it doesn't like uncertainty. And then that's when we do see the volatility. So uh, the debt ceiling, again, affecting the U.S. dollar. Uh, the U.S. dollar started to come down now a little bit, potentially, again, helping commodities. Uh, oil prices have started to come up a little bit as well, too. Uh, today, they're actually Actually, some very good job numbers out of the U.S. Uh, payrolls rose 339,000 in May. Um, again, much better than expected. Uh, so, you know, oil is going higher and potentially on that expectation of, of not having a recession. So the debt ceiling, especially in the last week, I think everybody expected it was going to be resolved. Um, never in history has the U.S. defaulted on their debt. Again, never say never. Ever, but uh, history is a guide, and it's been r- r- kind of increased, actually, the debt ceiling over 100 times uh, throughout history. So, um, you know, right now, I think, you know, investors kind of in general are looking for a bottom in some of these markets. For the outlook, one thing Piccolo is watching is the upcoming OPEC meeting on Sunday. There was chatter previously of them cutting supply again. Uh, however, it's looking like that might not be the case. So uh, next week, we might see a, a little bit more volatility on the oil front, potentially. Uh, and then I think that could easily spill over to the TSX or the Toronto Stock Exchange as well, too, just because of how energy-heavy uh, the markets here in Canada are. And it's important to watch that because right now, the U.S. markets are are really outperforming Canada. The S&P right now this year is up so far uh, over 9%. And when looking at the NASDAQ, the the main tech exchange, uh, year to date, we're up actually about 27%. So uh, again, quite a bit different than, than the TSX uh, right now, kind of as we speak, up about 2.5% for the year. Uh, so that's something to maybe watch for next week, how uh, OPEC and oil is going to affect just the overall markets. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 172.90. That's up 52. October live cattle closed at 176 even, up 12. August feeder cattle closed at 241.90, up 25. September feeder cattle closed at 245 even, up 5. July lean hogs closed at 84.65, up 260. August lean hogs closed at 82.30, up 227. And that's the livestock market conditions. Scattered showers around Saskatchewan over the past week helped to replenish soil moisture levels as many producers complete their seeding operations. Mackenzie Ladoon is a crops extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Saskatchewan producers have been busy seeding this week. Right now Saskatchewan has 89% of the crop in the ground. This is just behind our five-year average of 92%. She says the eastern side of the province is the furthest behind. On the eastern side of the province, given some excess moisture they've been facing in their fields. 
Right now, the region with the least amount of seeding completed is the southeast at 80% of the, this year's crop in the ground. Ladoon says many parts of Saskatchewan received rain over the past week. So producers around the province received some rain this week, which was really great, and many of them were very grateful to receive a little bit of rain. The rain that was received throughout the province varied from 69 millimeters, which was which was received in the Arborfield region, to 2 millimeters, which was received in the Eyebrow region. Overall, the province was reported rain throughout the province, even if it was just in trace amounts. She says the rain has been very helpful to field conditions. So the recent rain that was received throughout the province definitely restored topsoil moisture and brought a lot of the areas back into the adequate, if not excess, topsoil moisture regions. So provincially, 5% of cropland has a surplus moisture, 76% has adequate topsoil moisture, 17% is short, and 2% is very short. Pasture and hayland topsoil moistures follow a very similar pattern and also increase this week, where 3% of pasture and hayland has excess topsoil moisture, 69% has adequate topsoil moisture, 24% is short, and 4% is very short. Ladoon notes that cattle are now being turned out to pastures in most areas of Saskatchewan. Absolutely, many producers are busy this week putting cows out to pasture if they aren't already out of pasture. They're also working on branding and any other cattle work that they have to do. And she reminds producers to take care of themselves at this time of year. This can be a very stressful time for producers and if they are feeling that stress, this is just a reminder that the farm stress line is a resource available to them and they can give them a call whenever they're able to. Mackenzie Ladoon is a crops extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture based in Moose Jaw. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The latest Manitoba crop pest update suggests both crucifer and striped flea beetles are present in canola fields. Manitoba Agriculture's provincial entomologist Dr. John Gavlosky has more. The striped is one we usually see earlier in the season. Then usually when we get into late May, early June, we see more of the solid black crucifer flea beetles. Right now it's a real mix of both species. So uh, emergence is probably getting close to being complete. So we've, what we have now is the population that uh, is likely going to be out there. So for the next week or two, uh, it's advised for people just to keep an eye on their canola seedlings. Now, areas that got a lot of uh, rain recently, you might be helped in the sense that the, the big risk with flea beetles is when the plants kind of stall in the seedling stages and they don't get to the at least three to four leaf stage quickly. Uh, so having good growing conditions can really help reduce the risk of flea beetle damage. Generally, the seed treatments that you have on the plant should protect the plant for about three weeks, maybe a fourth week, uh, depending on weather conditions. So plants that were seeded at least three weeks ago, the seed treatments might be starting to wear thin, but again, if the plants are growing well, they may be able to compensate well for the feeding and get to those more resistant stages quickly. But if plants are trapped in those seedling stages, that's when we start to see a higher risk of flea beetle injury. He says you need to be careful which types of insecticides you use on flea beetles this year. First of all, there's, there's a big group of insecticides we call pyrethroids. That includes things like desis and pounce but also Matador silencer, which are that Lambda Cyhalothrin. Now, with Lambda Cyhalothrin, the, the label has been amended, and you can no longer use crops sprayed with that product for animal feed. 
so if by chance you were to be using something like Silencer, Matador is not available in Western Canada this year, but if you were to use Silencer, La Bamba, Zavada, some of the generic versions of that product, you would have to ensure that your crop is not being used for animal feed. So if you can't really ensure or guarantee that, you might be better off using a different product, maybe a Desis, a Pounce, something like uh, Seven might be another option. But yes, I do do note that if you use Lambda Sihalothrin, the crop cannot be used as animal feed. Dr. Gavlosky notes aster leafhoppers have been found in western Manitoba. So yeah, aster leafhopper, it's something that does, doesn't overwinter well here. They get blown in. And uh, it is a leafhopper that potentially can spread a disease called aster yellows. Now I say potentially because if the pathogen is not present in the population of leafhoppers, you're not going to have that vectoring happening. And the feeding that the leafhoppers do themselves is not really of harm to the crop. It's the disease vectoring potential that is harmful in this case. So we've actually collected some samples from western Manitoba, and we're having the samples of aster leafhoppers tested to see what the percent infectivity is with this aster yellows disease. And that'll be good information to help us determine just how economical this population potentially could be. The other caution I have is uh, in some areas where we're finding leafhoppers, aster leafhoppers aren't the dominant part of the population. There's other species, some of them non-economic species, that um, in some areas anyway are quite dominant. So step one is determining is it aster leafhopper, and step two, if it is, is determining how infected are they. And we're kind of working on both of those aspects right now. He says producers also need to be looking out for grasshoppers now. Well, they are emerging. And just as a general guideline, the amount of degree days that it takes for the grasshoppers to start hatching for our pest species is roughly the same as what it takes to have lilacs start flowering. So a good guideline is once the lilacs in your area start flowering, grasshopper hatch for our pest species is probably starting. So in most areas of the province, that's probably the case right now. Uh, We're just keeping an eye on what populations are like. I'm not aware of any high or economic populations at this point, but again, it's early in the hatch right now. There's certainly a lot more to come. So something we're going to want to keep an eye on. So what we encourage people to do is scout areas that were lush green vegetation late last year, whether it's a, um, a field edge, a ditch, a pasture, those are often areas where the grasshoppers come out first. So just keep an eye on levels in those areas. And another precaution, if you are watching grasshoppers, you will right now see the odd adult grasshopper flying around. Those are not pest species. Um, in fact, in Carmen here, where I, I've been doing some of my uh, checking, some of the, the field edges, uh, there's a lot of a species called green-striped grasshopper. They're adults right now. They're jumping and flying around. Not huge numbers, and they don't invade crops and do damage like our economic species do. So the odd adult right now is not an indication that we're in for a bad year or an early year. Dr. Gavlosky adds cutworms aren't an issue in western Manitoba just yet. I haven't heard of any damage on the western side of Manitoba yet. Uh, there's been a few fields sprayed for cutworms more in the central region, 
um, some cereals, soybeans and canola, but just a handful of fields so far. So overall, it hasn't been a bad cutworm year. Two or three years ago, we were having some very bad uh, cutworm problems, infestations. But uh, I think some of the natural controls might be catching up. Last year wasn't quite as bad as the year before, and this year so far hasn't been overly bad for cutworms yet. He notes there's a few more diamondback moths showing up in their traps this week. Commodities Update. Things are starting to pick up, but the highest counts so far have been in the western, oh, sorry, the eastern part of the province. That area around Beauzeur, uh, we're seeing a bit higher counts. Uh, nothing overly alarming, but I'll say moderate levels in that eastern region. So something just to maybe as a heads up right now that we'll want to keep an eye on. But in the western part of the province so far, it's been very low counts. Um, most traps are zero. There's some that are two, three, four moths in the cumulative in the traps so far, but nothing significant. Dr. John Gavlosky is the provincial entomologist for Manitoba Agriculture, and he's based in Carmen. Now turning to the commodities update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. July canola closed at $658 per metric ton, up $6.50. November canola closed at $637.60, up $3.90. July Minneapolis wheat still trading at $809 per bushel, that's up $0.20. July Kansas City wheat closed at $8.12 and a quarter, up nine and three quarters of a cent. July Chicago wheat closed at six nineteen per bushel, up eight and a quarter cents. July corn closed at six oh nine per bushel, up sixteen and a half cents. July soybeans closed at thirteen fifty two and a half, that's up twenty three cents. July oats closed at three thirty seven and a half down one and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. It's time now to check in once again with Danny Ismond. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It was the warmest May in recent memory in Saskatchewan. Weather stats from Environment Canada show the monthly mean temperature was anywhere from 3 degrees to nearly 6 degrees higher than normal. North Battleford, Key Lake, and LaRange all set new records, and every major center in Saskatchewan was at least in the top nine. Fortunately, there was some rain to go with the warmer temperatures, but other than the southeast, most of it fell last week. Terry Lang is an Environment Canada meteorologist based in Saskatoon. The pattern switched over that last week of May and we kind of got into more of a southerly flow from the upper atmosphere and that brings us much warmer and moister air and it can hold a lot of moisture and that sets the tone for those thunderstorms that uh, they seem to be sort of, you know, they are hit and miss but everybody seems to have been picking up a little bit of something with those thunderstorms so that's been really helpful. But she adds the northern part of the province has been quite dry. 
Yeah, it was more the southern half of the province that uh, picked up most of that moisture in the central and uh, northern Saskatchewan. They're just now getting into that pattern just because we're into the next week. So they're just getting into that pattern where they're starting to pick up some moisture. So hopefully they can uh, gain some ground because poor old Meadow Lake had their uh, seventh driest May on record. That's Terry Lang from Environment Canada. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny with a 60% chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms. Winds southeast at 15 to 25, gusting up to 40 and a high of 27. For tonight, mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms. Winds south-southeast at 15 to 25 and a low of 16. For tomorrow, mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of isolated showers. Winds south at 15 to 25, a high of 29, an overnight low of 18. For Sunday, partly sunny with a 40% chance of afternoon showers, a high of 29. Monday, mainly sunny with a 30% chance of isolated showers and thunderstorms, a high of 28. And for Tuesday, mainly sunny with a 30% chance of rain and a high of 28 once again. In the Paw, it's 18 degrees, Swan River 21 Dauphin, 26, Brandon, 30, Show Lake Russell, 27, Roblin, 23. Regina is at 18 degrees, Saskatoon, Hudson Bay, 20, Broadview, Mooseman, 25, Indian Head, 23, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 21. The Yorkton, Melville region has a mainly sunny sky. An east-southeast wind at 15 kilometers an hour. 78% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 23 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again on Monday at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.